TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Welcome, 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 my friends, to another exciting edition. That's right, KMOX is at your service. KMOX is at your service here on a beautiful Tuesday night, as you heard Maria Keenan talk about how awesome it is outside uh, Kind of like early spring, just like she said. Very, uh, very pleasant outside. Going to be uh, even better tomorrow. Hey, welcome to KMOX is at your service. My name is Greg Damon, and uh, man, I tell you what, we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of fun tonight here on the two hours we're on all the way till ten o'clock. We're gonna go all the way till ten o'clock. But before we kick it off, before we kick it off, I got a pet peeve, and I'm just gonna throw it out there. That's right. It's one of my pet peeves. And, and I'm thinking, you know, all the stuff that's happened and, and a lot of fast food workers getting paid more and more, I, I, I don't understand why they're so rude when you go through the drive-thru. Now, trust me, I'm a big guy. I love my fast food. But I don't understand why it's, uh, it's so hard for them to be nice. And you never, you never hear them say thank you anymore. Maybe not Chick-fil-A. They're pretty awesome. But all the other ones, hey, have a nice day. Nope. Hey, how about thanks for buying your product? That's went up exponentially. I hope you feel the same as well. Hey, we're going to have some fun tonight here on KMOX. Uh, I got to tell you, uh, folks, I, I am so excited for, uh, for this next guest. Um, man, he's the myth, the mystery. He's the machine. <laughs> You know, since since I've been here on KMWX, 22 years now, I, I've I've been able to meet just some uh, amazing people, some awesome, awesome people. This guy has got to be right towards the top of my list. Uh, I, I'm happy to call him my friend, Ron Jacober, Media Hall of Fame. What Hall of Fame is he not a part of? Ron Jacober has been kind enough to uh, spend some time with us here on At Your Service, and we welcome him to the program. Ron, how are you? Well, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Five halls of fame, by the way. In case you're, in case you're counting. <laughs> I need a score sheet. That's what I need. No, no, I'm pretty good, Greg. I, <laughs> I've been trying to stay busy, as busy as I, as I want to be. You know, you don't want to. After you retire, you don't want to be busy all the time. But, uh, but I've got a few, a few things going, and it keeps me, keeps me hopping, and keeps me interested in, in life and in sports and that kind of thing. So. Well, you know, the, one of the reasons I have you on, I mean, obviously, you know, when I first started here and and uh, just in awe of everybody here at KMOX, uh, you know, a, a longtime listener before I ever uh, ever started working here, and you were one of, the, one of the first people I met, and you were always awesome to me the entire time. Well, you're very kind. You, you and Kenny Wallace told me everything that I know, which isn't a lot, about auto racing. Because <laughs> 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 I was pretty ignorant. That's one of the things I didn't follow very much, and but you, you you taught me a lot, as did Kenny Wallace. That's you know. right. You're the fastest thing out there, baby. 
Yeah. <laughs> what a piece of work he is, boy. Yeah, you know, oh, what a good guy. He yeah. is such a great guy. And, you know, Ron, that's one of the things. And, and, and you know, the, you think about the countless interviews that you've done over your career. Uh, he's one of my one of my favorite interviews as well. And, and and people always ask me, like, you know, what what's he like off the air? He's just so, you know, he's always on when he, you know, when you're talking to him. It's like, yeah, he's like that all the time. He's like oh, that yeah. all the know. time. I don't know who winds him up in the morning, but whoever it is, I'd like to have some of that. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's he's really good. Now, but you know, I'm I'm fine. I'm keeping kind of busy. I I'm involved with a few things, and and uh, uh, it keeps me going. I I'm kind of active in the Knights of Columbus at our church, but uh, in addition to that, I'm uh, one of the founders of the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame. So I've been involved with that for all these years, for 16, 17 years, whatever whatever it's been. And then I'm president of a thing called the one, two, three club, which is a very unique group of, of guys. The one, two, three club is 77 years old this year. Uh, it was started. Well, 77 years ago, downtown by a few newspaper guys and some baseball front office people who uh, got together frequently downtown, <laughs> excuse me, at a, at a saloon downtown for lunch and a pop or two, and then they'd go to work. They were newspaper guys, dude. They'd be from one to three. Greg, I'm going to have to take a little drink here. Hang on. Nope, no problem. No problem. <coughs> I did all... something I should have. I, I should have. I did something I shouldn't have done. I ate a cookie before you came <laughs> on. Anyway, they met from uh, one until three. They started calling it the one, two, three club. And it's existed for 77 years. It's a very unique group. As far as we know, there's no other club like it in the country. In fact, Sports Illustrated did a story on the club a few years ago. It's a bunch of sports guys. And it's former pro athletes, college athletes, coaches, uh, front office people, some media people, uh, officials, referees, and uh, umpires and things like that. Not a big group. We meet every other Monday. And... uh, for many years, they met every Monday, but uh, it's been every month, every other Monday now. And we uh, we meet at Mike Duffy's restaurant in, in Kirkwood, and uh, we have lunch and we argue and talk about sports. It's a very limited limited membership. You can't just join; you have to be nominated by a member, and then you have to attend a couple of lunches, and uh, then there's a secret ballot, believe it or not, sent out. Uh, but we're restricted by our own bylaws for a little over 50 members. We get 30, 35, many, many Mondays. And so I've been president of that for a couple of years, and that's kind of kept me busy. But it's a it's a neat group of people because it's so, so diverse. We can I usually make up an agenda of things we're going to talk about. And, and like yesterday we met and we, we did, uh, you know, we did hockey. Of course, we did the soccer was the big story after what happened over the weekend. And baseball, the World Series, uh, and we we talk about things that you may not think about, but uh, uh, we discuss some social act- activities in in sports, and then you know, then we uh, we go and we meet for an hour, an hour and a half, and uh, go home. But uh, it's 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 fun to do, and it keeps your brain working. But uh, uh, so anyway. That's kind of kind of the stuff I've been doing. Well, remember, if you're going to nominate me, there's only one G, okay? Not not two Gs at the end, all right? 
There you go. There you go. <laughs> well, that's, uh, I mean, that's fantastic, Ron. I mean, I remember my dad, when he retired, he says, look, I'm busier now than I was when I was working. Yeah, well, I'm not quite that way. But today, we did clean out the garage because it needed it. And I, I probably mulched 25 million leaves in the yard with my John Deere writer. And so, you know, it's, but it was such a nice day. It was oh, my hard gosh. To, hard, hard to stay indoors in November. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it was absolutely, like absolutely amazing. No doubt about it. Hey, Ron, I got to do some business, but uh, I know that uh, you're going to hang with me, and I appreciate that for sure. Sure. All right, fantastic. Folks, we are visiting with longtime KMOXer Ron Jacober here on At Your Service. But we got to do a little business here. We'll be back. More conversations. Stick around. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Welcome back, everyone. 817 is your time right here in the heart of mid-America. And this is KMOX's At Your Service. Greg Damon hanging out with you all the way till 10 o'clock tonight. But more importantly, we have uh, the man, the myth, the mystery, the legend that is Ron Jacober, and he joins us again here on the program. Again, Ron, I can't thank you enough for uh, hanging out with us tonight. Well, you're very kind. One thing I didn't mention earlier is that I like to write, and I've helped write two cardinal books that have been very successful and, and published by a local company called Reedy Press. And this is a really a wonderful publishing company. They've got... Oh, I don't know, 200, 250 titles out there all over the country. But uh, these these two books, 11 Immortal Moments in Cardinal History and Cardinal 64, which is one of the great seasons in Cardinal history, uh, one of the more memorable ones. Uh, and uh, they've both been very successful, big uh, hardcover coffee table books. So that's taken up a lot of time over the last two or three years, too. Well, I'm going to have to get some autographed copies of those. You're certainly welcome. They're, they're for sale. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm more, than, I'm more than happy to. Barnes. I'm more than happy to buy them if you if you sign up for me. Well, Barnes and Noble and, and of course Amazon and all that. But uh, you know, I tell people, Greg, when I do, do some speaking yet, uh, especially young people, I said in my next life I'm going to have to get a real job because <laughs> this one was too. This one was too much fun, and it's a. It was a total accidental career. I mean, this was not planned at all. I had no intention when I got out of college of going into broadcasting. And I, I don't want to bore you with the whole story. Well, no, I think, I think for the KMOX out, the listeners out in KMOX land, I think they should know the whole story, how you got started well, I, and everything else. Yeah. Well, when I, uh, I had a degree in journalism from SIU Carbondale and I thought I would be a, a right for a newspaper or something, but I went in the army for a while. And when I got out, I got a job in public relations for the auto club of Missouri, triple a. And, uh, one of the things when I was a newbie there that we did in the fall was uh, go to radio stations with a public service campaign, Drive Safely Schools Open. And I was calling on a radio station in Belleville, WYBV. And uh, the general manager there uh, said, you did some radio work in college, didn't you? I said, I had a, a one one-hour course. It was just a lark because I, had, I, had, I could take an extra 
course or two. And he said, how would you like a part-time job? I said, <laughs> when? He said, how about tonight? Well, I didn't do it that night. Apparently, they lost somebody or somebody got fired or something. So I came home and talked to Lois, my wife, and we had two little boys at home. I said, you know, it might be kind of fun to try that on a weekend for a little while. Well, I wound up working weekends over there, at least one weekend, sometimes two. So I was working seven days a week, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I had to drive to Belleville. But uh, it got to the point where the seven days a week started wearing on me. So I was about ready to say, well, that was fun. And Bob Hardy, one of the legendary news guys in the history of St. Louis Radio, uh, lived in Belleville in that area over there, and he heard me. And he called me and said, you know, Ron, we're looking for a part-time weekender at KMOX. Would you be interested? That was like God calling me. He said, oh, my God, are you kidding me? So I came down. He said, you got to come down and cut an audition day for Bob Island before I can hire you, but I think you'd be fine. So I came down, cut a tape. So I wound up, wound up working weekends again. This time, though, it was at KMOX, not WIBV in Belleville. And eventually they started talking full-time, and, and I won't go through the whole thing, but I, I went to work full-time at KMOX, left the auto club, and uh, uh, I was a gopher there. I was, you know, do anything they wanted to do, work any hours of the day and that kind of thing. And uh, I had been there a year, a year and a half, and and uh, Jay Randolph had been there, the legendary Jay Randolph, and he went to Channel 5. And I called Jay one day. I said, Jay, you know, I, this is a great radio station, one of the best in America, but there's so much great talent here. I'm just not getting anywhere, I don't think. And he said, oh, my God, we're looking to hire another guy at Channel 5. I'd love to have you over there. When can you come over and cut an audition? I said, uh, well, you tell me. He said, how about 1030 tonight? <laughs> So I went over after the 10 o'clock news, sat down, they put me in front of a camera, did a sportscast, and they hired me the next day. So I was there for 18 years and um, then left because we had a general manager who didn't like my style. He wanted me to clown around, and and uh, I said, I, I will not do that. I've got too much credibility and blood on the floor here. And uh, uh, he said, well, we'll find somebody who will. I said, well, it's your television station. Right. So I wound up. On the back at KMOX, which is was I was one of the few people that that Robert Highland or Bob Highland ever hired back, but it was 18 years later. So I wound up there at KMOX for another 28 years and 25 of those years as the sports director. So that was this accidental career that I never had any intention of doing, but turned out that it was what I should be doing, obviously. But uh, I tell young people that story and they just shake their head. You got to be kidding me. You know, that's the way it happened. That's the way it happened. Yeah. You know, but I keep telling, I keep telling them, Greg, you know, when you get the opportunity, when the door opens, you got to perform, you got to, you got to do it. Right. And uh, when, and uh, you know, that's the best advice I can give you. Nope. You're exactly right. You know, I kind of fell backwards into it. Well, I was, uh, I was playing hockey and met Tom Langmire and he asked me one day, if right. I'd, yeah, if I'd be interested in, uh, doing an auto show on KMOX. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're talking to KMOX? And I'm like, you know, long-time <laughs> yeah, listener, right. of course. And right. and uh, so came down in an audition for uh, uh, Steve Moore. And actually, this is this this is going to date me here. John Grayson had just started and was doing weekends, and I was on with him. That was my oh first, my uh, first yeah. uh, uh, foray into radio. Yeah. But so, it's been a great career. I have no, absolutely no regrets. In fact, uh, I miss it, to tell you the truth. People said, oh, you... Do you miss it? I said, absolutely, I miss it. I, I enjoyed it so much, and it was so rewarding for me. And now there were there were tough times. There were down times. There were times when 
things didn't go the way I had hoped they would and, and didn't get always get the job that I wanted and that kind of thing. But uh, that's life. But, uh, but it, it was a very rewarding career. Yeah, I tell you, Ron, uh, one of my most memorable Ron Jacober stories was uh, they called everybody, uh, everybody uh, down to KMOX and had a big meeting, and uh, uh, that's when we uh, lost the Cardinals. And I remember yeah, you right. giving, a, giving a speech to everybody like, hey, we're going to be okay. It's going to work out. Yeah, and so, we were. Yep. And absolutely. we are. Yeah. Yep. We, yeah. But I, I, there isn't much I haven't done. I guess that's what I tell a lot of young people. What would you do? Well, you know, in addition to many thousands of hours of talk radio, you know, I did the Cardinals on Channel 5. I did the Blues on KMOX. I did hundreds of soccer games. I did college basketball on ESPN. I did the Olympics for CBS. There isn't much that I haven't done. You know, I always kind of crave for that big network job, which never happened for whatever reason. But uh, but I, I can't I can't look back with with any regret. Well, I tell you, all of us here in St. Louis absolutely uh, have loved you ever since you've been on. You know, you're you're one of those guys that uh, you have that iconic radio voice uh, that. Uh, uh, you know that we love to we love to hear on the radio that uh, you know that that kind of soothing that calming that very confident voice like this is the way it is, and uh, we love listening to you for sure. Yeah, the funny part of that is people have asked me, "Well, I bet you had a lot of voice training, didn't you?" I said, "I had none, zero. Right. <laughs> it's just the voice that God gave me. So you know, I was fortunate in that regard." So what uh, what did you like doing the best, Ron? Out of all the jobs you've done, uh, whether it be radio or TV, what do you, what do you think was the best? That's a that's a really good question. I don't know if I've ever been asked that question before. Uh, I I really enjoyed putting together specials. I enjoyed long form interviews, uh, and I did a lot of those. Uh, you know, uh, those were always a challenge. But a, but a good challenge. Uh, uh, I, I, some of my more memorable interviews were were Muhammad Ali, for example. I was one of the I was the only media guy in St. Louis really that interviewed him several times, and it was just kind of the, the way that happened. There was a, a, a captain, a police captain in St. Louis named Jim Reddick, and Jim Reddick befriended Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay when he was in an amateur fighter in, in Louisville. And whenever Ali or Clay would come to St. Louis, he would visit Jim Reddick. For whatever reason, Reddick liked me, and he would call me and say, the champ's going to be in town, going to be at the precinct at this ta- at this date, at this time, do you want to come down? So I went down with a, with a Channel 5 camera crew and did these memorable interviews with Muhammad Ali. I mean, he was, uh, I, I found him to be a very charming guy, uh, but as soon as he turned the lights on, got the microphone out, he went into his act. Sometime during the early part of his career, somebody got a hold of him, I think, and said, "You got to have a shtick. You got to do something." And that's when he went into this this act. But uh, uh, I remember one time he he told me how he was going to fight his next fighter, which was which is a guy named the Bale and Bleeder. Chuck Wepner <laughs> from Bayonne, New Jersey. They, they call him the Bayonne Bleeder. And he went through this act and, and got up out of his chair and, and did both parts. Did, did He did uh, Chuck Wepner and he did Muhammad Ali. And, and uh, 
I told him one time, I said, I, you know, you just kind of slowed down a little bit. I thought, slowed down? He said, I'll hit you before God gets the news. <laughs> and the, the last time I talked to him, uh, I remember I was leaving. This was still Channel 5 days. I was leaving the station on a Friday night. It was uh, after the 10 o'clock news. And normally I wouldn't answer the phone at quarter to 11. But for some reason that night I did as I was walking on. And it was a guy who said, I just want to tell you that Muhammad Ali is going to be in town tomorrow morning for a, for a march, a march for the hungry people of the world with Dick Gregory, the activist comedian, yeah. who I knew in college a little bit. He was an SIU Carbondale guy. And uh, I said, who is this? He said, I can't tell you. So I wasn't sure whether it was going to happen or not. But I left a note for the uh, assignment desk, said, this may be bogus, but meet me at this address on Page Avenue at 10 o'clock with a crew. And I got my David and Jeff, my two sons up. They were, I don't know, eight and nine, nine and 10, something like that. And where are we going? I said, just come with me. So we drove to this address on Page Avenue. We got there early. And there were two guys standing in this vacant lot with weeds, ankle-deep weeds, Dick Gregory and Muhammad Ali. And uh, so we got out of the car, and I went up, talked to him again, and, and I don't know if he remembered me or not, but he claimed he did. And the, he shadow boxed with the kids, signed autographs. Pretty soon, people started coming. It was a turns out it was a legitimate activity, a legitimate march. Wow! Police, uh, police eventually came, and a big crowd came. A bi-state bus stopped. The bus driver got off and said, "Oh my God, that's Muhammad Ali!" Got back on the bus and drove off. And uh, so anyway, it was that that was the last time when he was really capable of much of an interview. And he was going to fight a, a super wrestler named Antonio Inoki, a big guy, because he needed the money. You know, he, he just didn't save any money. He had so, all of his people around him. And I covered his fight in Las Vegas when uh, Michael Spinks, uh, when Leon Spinks beat him. And he must have had an entourage of 40, 45 people. And of course, they all got paid. Right. But anyway, he, he was going to fight this uh, Antonio Inoki. And, he, and I said, champ, this guy's going to kill you. He weighs 450 pounds. What in the world are you doing? He said, who are you, the local Howard Cosell? And <laughs> <laughs> then he said, I like your show and I like your style, but your pay is so cheap, I won't be back for a while. And, <laughs> And that was the last time I was able to interview him. He was in town a couple of times after that, but he was not capable of uh, talking. And But uh, that was one of the more memorable ones uh, that uh, that I did. But there were others. There were others. Uh, I'll tell you what, let, let's take a quick break, Ron. I'll come back. We'll yeah. get some more stories. How's that? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm talking about you. No, no, no. I love it. Though. I love it. And so does everybody else. Hang on with me a few more minutes, all right? Folks, we're visiting with Ron Jacober here on At Your Service. Uh, tell you what, the guy's got all sorts of stories. Legendary Ron Jacober. This is At Your Service KMOX. Tuesday night at your service right here on KMOX. Hope you're having a great time. Greg Damon hanging out with you all the way till 10 o'clock. But on the phone, we are talking with the legend, Ron Jacober. Again, Ron, thanks for uh, hanging out with us, man. Love talking to you. Hey, you're very kind of to call. I I enjoy you, and I enjoy talking about things that, that went on over all these years. Well, uh, so when we left off, you were talking about uh, uh, interviewing Muhammad Ali, which obviously a colorful character. I'm sure you, I'm sure it was amazing. What what about some of the other uh, memorable interviews that stick out in your mind that that you've been that you've done? 
Well, <laughs> there was a basketball coach that died this past week. Bobby he coached in Indiana. <laughs> yes. And this is not a long story, but but uh, back in the day, uh, I, I can't remember what year, but uh, the several college uh, commissioners or, or uh, athletic directors, for some reason, were upset with the NIT, and they wanted to have a postseason tournament of their own to compete with the NIT. So they called it the Commissioner's Tournament, something like that. And uh, there weren't that many teams going to the NIT in those days. So they decided that the second-place team in these major conferences would come play in this tournament, this commissioner's tournament, which turned out to be here at the old arena. And Bobby Knight in Indiana had to come. They finished second of the Big Ten. And Knight didn't want to be here, man. I was going to say he, he was not happy. I'm sure. He wanted to be in New York. Oh, my God. At the old at the arena here at Madison Square Garden? <laughs> you got to be kidding me. So anyway, he was forced to do this pre-tournament news conference. And he came in, and I, I could tell he was not happy at all. I remember asking him a question. He looked me in the eye and said, he talked about how to fish for crappie for about eight minutes and said, that's what, that's what I think of your damn tournament. And got up and walked out. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and there were a couple other things. I, I remember uh, doing a, t- a TV game involving Indiana, and I was supposed to do a pregame thing with him that we, we were going to record and play to the beginning of the broadcast. So I asked him two questions, and he said, this sounds like a scouting report. I'm not doing this. And turned out and walked away. But, uh, you know, Tony Russo was uh, was home with me for 10 years on Sunday mornings. That was always a challenge because I liked Tony, but Tony didn't like the dumb, stupid questions. So it was a I had to really prepare for that. But he gave paid me an ultimate comment, I think, or compliment. He said, I respect your knowledge and your passion for the game of baseball. I say, well, that, that's about as good as I can get from. From Tony Larusa. Uh, that's but, an uh, amazing there were, compliment. There were so many others, Greg. There were so many others. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, one of my favorites is uh, Big Red Football. Miss it, miss it tremendously. And uh, uh, you know, what's, <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. My, y- y- what's really funny? So, so my kids, uh, you know, they're really into jerseys, and they, you know, they cheer for uh, for different teams, and really really want to uh, 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 wear, di- like my one son's probably got, I don't know, 20 different jerseys that he, that he wears differently all the time. So I bought a Dan Deardorff St. Louis Cardinals jersey, and that's what I wear on Sunday. Well, good for you, Dan. Double D was uh, one of the great players, in the, not just in the history of the Cardinals, but in the history of the game. He was one of the outstanding linemen, offensive linemen ever. And uh, he's really paying the price for that now physically, you know. Uh, because he got so beat up playing the game. But some of those guys were turned out to be good friends. Jimmy Hart was one of my best friends later on. Uh, Jim Bakken, the, the kicker, we call him Bags. His nickname was Bags. And uh, he said, kickers aren't football players. <laughs> but he was he was a good athlete. I remember they had a home run hitting contest at, at Bush 2 when they opened that. And he was involved with it. And he jacked a few of them out. He was a he wow. was a heck of an athlete. Could hit a golf ball a thousand miles, you know. But he was their he was their kicker. Jackie Smith, one of the greatest all time t- tight ends. Is I still see Jackie on occasion. And and uh, yeah, that was that was good times. You know, I I look back on that and realize that that could have been much more successful. I got to know Bill Bidwell pretty well, who was the owner. Bill and his brother Starmy on the team. Now they were they were uh, adopted, and their personalities were polar opposite. 
And we're convinced that uh, Bill didn't know how to run it. He just didn't know how to run a football team. Uh, not a bad guy. Was uh, Contributed a lot to charity very quietly. But uh, we're convinced that if Stormy had kept the team, that uh, they might still be here. Uh, they they just didn't get along at all. And somebody convinced them, look, one of you guys got to buy the other guy out. And that's what happened. And so Bill got the, got the team. But they had some pretty good years. Don Coriel was uh, – was a really a piece of work there. I, I remember Bakken telling me one time, he said, if Coriel cries again at halftime, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> because he was so emotional. that, uh, But he was a good coach, but it didn't last too long. You know, right, right. Uh, He was an offensive genius. And in the cardiac cardinal years, those two or three, four years there, they were really very good, but didn't do anything in the, in the postseason. So a lot of those guys didn't get the notoriety they should have gotten. Nope, you're exactly right. You know, uh, uh, Ron, one of, so my favorite uh, St. Louis Cardinal was uh, Conrad Dobler. You know, I, I, I got the chance to meet him one time. Just in, He was, you know, one of my idols growing up. But I loved your talks when you talked to Tom Banks, like on Sports on a Sunday Morning. Oh, yeah. And oh, the, yeah. the stories that he would tell about that. Yeah, Banks and, and Dobler. Boy, you talk about two characters. I got to know Dobler pretty well, Connie. He had we inducted him in the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame, right? And uh, he had uh, like twelve or thirteen surgeries on his knee. In fact, they were they wanted to cut his leg off at the knee, and because uh, it got so bad, there was nothing left there, and he refused. He wouldn't let him do it. Uh, but he was he he was in a lot of pain for most of his post playing career, but. Uh, you know, he was called the meanest man at football. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated as the nastiest man, I think it was, a, or the dirtiest the man dirty, or something like player, that. Yeah. yeah, dirtiest player, because he claimed that he didn't bite any other player in a year because he believed in good hygiene. <laughs> I'll, never, I'll never forget that interview. <laughs> I'll never forget that interview. But uh, to what, Tommy Lasorda was an interesting character for me, too. Uh <laughs> I got to know him some uh, in the 1985 playoffs uh, in Dodger Stadium when Jack Clark hit the home run in game six that put the Cardinals into the World Series. You know, the the short version of that is he should have never pitched to Clark because Clark was the only guy that could beat him in that situation. and But he did, and uh, I'll never get Pedro Guerrero in left field throwing his glove down to the ground like a little little leaguer <laughs> when the ball sailed over his head into the into the bleachers in Dodger Stadium. But anyway, he should have never done that. And he lived with that forever. But he was, I, for many years, I emceed a dinner called Men's Dinner Against Cancer. So they brought Tommy in as the speaker one time. So I had to introduce him. So I thought, well, you know what? It might be kind of fun to play the Jack Buck call of the Jack Clark home run, introducing Tommy Lasorda. Oh, my God, did he get upset with me. Really? If looks with a call. Oh, if looks would have killed, I wouldn't be here. He was ticked, he was ticked off. But so continuing that story, later on, <coughs> excuse me, um, the um, Dodgers were playing a game in St. Louis. He was still the manager. It was a day game, and he made a couple of moves during the game that we questioned, I guess, on Sports of the Line that night. Randy Carricker and I, and uh, then we turned to the Jack Clark thing, talking about the fact he should have never pitched to Clark. Well, we go to commercial, and the producer said, Lasorda's on the phone. I said, yeah, right. He said, no, he is. He was with Charlie Gito. Charlie Gito, the right. restaurant downtown, was his good buddy. 
So they were driving the car, listening to Sports Open Line, and he heard that. So we put him on. Tommy, good to see you. Thanks for calling. What do you idiots know about baseball? He started <laughs> screaming at us, screaming at us. And you don't know who was up next. Well, it was Andy Van Slyke. Randy Carricker remembered that. And there was this pregnant pause with what sort of, oh, my God, they remembered. Uh, but uh, we went on for eight or nine minutes, I guess, with him. And very contentious interview. And then finally, at the end, I said, Tommy, we love you. The reason that we like you is because, and like baseball, is because we can manage along with you. And, uh, you know, you may be right. You may not be right. We may be not right. We may be right. But we manage along with you, and we love you. Yeah, sure, he said, and hung up the phone. But uh, he funny. was uh, never happy about that that introduction of the men's dinner against cancer when I played the Jack Buck call of oh the my Jack gosh. Clark home run. That is, that is amazing. Ron, I'm going to do my final bit of business. We come back. I want to talk sure. a little about the Blues. How's that? Absolutely. All right, stick around. Hey, folks, we got Ron Jacober on the phone. Going to wait till 9 o'clock with Ron, but the show's going till 10 o'clock. This is KMOX is at your service. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. 8.50 is your time right here in the heart of mid-America. This is KMOX is at your service. Greg Damon hanging out with you till 10 o'clock. But more importantly, KMOXer Ron Jacober is hanging with us till 9. Again, Ron, thanks so much. I can't uh, thank you enough for hanging with us tonight. You're welcome. By the way, one of the other things I should have mentioned that people still come up to me and, and to ask me about it was the Harry Carey interviews. I was the only media person that found Harry the day he got fired as the Cardinal announcer by Anheuser-Busch. And I found him. We looked for several of his watering holes, and I, I found him at Bush's Grove on wow. Clayton Road there. Yeah. And uh, I walked in. He said, Ron, have a Schlitz. And they, the funny part of that, they didn't sell slits at Bush's Grove. They had to send somebody out to get a six-pack because Harry wanted to drink uh, slits. And it was a memorable interview because he just absolutely unloaded on everything and everybody. And uh, uh, we uh, rushed down Highway 40 with the interview to Channel 5. And we were still filmed in those days, if you can believe that or not. 6.15, they handed me the film back in projection. And uh, they said, what do you want to do? I said, what do you want to do with it to the producer in the booth? And he said, rack it up and roll it from the top. It was a huge story. Harry was bigger than the team in those days. Right. So we played several minutes of it at 6 o'clock news. At 6.35, the phone rings in the sports office, and it's Al Fleischman of Fleischman Hilliard Public Relations. He was Gussie Bush's left-hand and right-hand man. And he said, son, do you have any idea how much money Anheuser-Busch spends on Channel 5? I said, no, sir. He said, I suggest you find out, and I also suggest you don't reuse that interview again at 10. And uh, I remember we called the general manager at home. He said, oh, my God, what are we going to do? I said, we're going to play it again at 10. <laughs> and we played it again at 10. We had a half-hour newscast at midnight in those days, played it again the next day. That, at midnight, played it again the next day. And I paid for that for a long time because they remembered at the brewery that I did the carry interview. But I used to see Harry at the ballpark, and, and when he was in with the Cubs, and he's, I made you famous. <laughs> I said, no, Harry, you made me infamous, man. But people still come up to me and talk to me about that Harry Carey interview at Bush's Girl. That's crazy. I, I never knew that. I knew I, I was going to ask you if he was actually drinking slitch. I did hear that. but uh... Oh, yeah, that's true. It was, it's in his book. It's in his book, the Schlitz, can, the Schlitz beer thing. And, I mean, I got to know Harry pretty well, but, but that was a memorable interview. People still talk to me about that thing. That's crazy. I was the only guy that found him that day. I, that's uh, that's crazy. I never I never knew that. Well, I, I, all the memorable things you do. I remember you on the Blues broadcast as well. 
Uh, what's some of the what's some of the memorable things uh, with the Blues? I mean, it just you know, going back with all the great players, Gary Unger, Mike Layute, Red Berenson. Yeah, um, right. You know, I, I called Brett Hulse. I called Brett Hulse 500th goal, which I well, I still fondly remember. Uh, but yeah, I was around the Blues for for a lot of time, including the the Solomons, our Sid Solomon the third when they owned the team. But uh, I saw that this was the anniversary, I think, of Red Berenson's six goals in a game back in the first or second year of the of the Blues in Philadelphia. He scored six goals in one game, which tied the league record. Uh, he, Red's still alive. We inducted him a few years ago in the Hall of Fame. But yeah, Hall, Brett Hall was uh, was was quite a character and a great goal scorer. Uh, but there were so many great players. Bernie Fidoko worked with me on the Blues broadcast, so I got to know Bernie really well. He was a what a good guy. What a great player he was, by the way. Uh, and uh, there were so many Al McGinnis. I mean, there were so many good good guys. And the thing I tell, tell about hockey players all the time is how down to earth they were, how cooperative they were. Only one time in all the years I was around the team doing games and doing pre or post game, only one time did a player tell me no. And uh, I won't go into why because uh, – he was corrected by Blues management when they found out about it. But they're very cooperative guys, many of them back in those days. Anyway, it's become much more of an international game. But many of them back in those days were from small towns in Canada. They were farm boys. They were just happy to be there, just happy. to. They make so much money now, Greg. It's unreal. Right. They used to have, a, have, to have a second job uh, during the summer. The young guys did. Yeah, absolutely. The young guys did. I remember asking – Bernie Federico one time, how much money he made, the most he ever made. And I, I think it was a little over 200000 Now oh, that, won't even, that won't get you anything. You know, right. That won't get you the trainer. That's right. That's a bag of pucks. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But those were great, those were great days. You know, and the Blues were – they captured, captivated this town. Dan Kelly uh, was my mentor. He taught me just about everything I knew about the hockey and about the Blues. And what, what a Dan great died guy. far too young, yep. far too young. Well, we got about a minute left, Ron. That's fine. I, I, but, you know, those are great days. My major disappointment in my career is when they called me in after I did the year of play-by-play and said, uh, we're, we're going we're to replace you. We need another Kelly in the booth. And it was Danny Kelly, young one, sure. one of Dan's young boys. And, and uh, you know, for whatever reason, they wanted another Kelly. That was probably my – Greatest disappointment in in all the years of the broadcast, but those things happen, you know. Right. Okay. Well, Ron, I want to thank you so much for hanging out with us here tonight. Hey, it was fun, Greg. Thank you. Right. Thank you, and keep up the good work. And and remember the great female driver that you knew. <laughs> yes, my friend Danica Patrick. Well, Ron, yes, thanks a lot. Danica. Come come back and come back and join us another time, will you, please? I'd love to. I'd love to, Greg. Thank you much. All right. Thanks so much. Folks, that's Ron Jacober. We'll be back. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. 
You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 